Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you all about our new mini-series, Sliding Doors Your Story, that's coming out this spring. Do you have an extraordinary sliding doors moment that changed your life or know someone that does? I'm talking about those real what if moments in life where if something hadn't have happened, your life just wouldn't be the same. A split decision, which could have meant life or death, finding the love of your life, missing that train. If so, we really want to hear from you. We're looking for podcast guests to come on and tell their story to our listeners. So whether you have a story to tell or know someone that does, we really want to hear from you. Please go into the podcast notes wherever you get your podcasts and click on the application form. We cannot wait to hear from you. Now on with this week's episode. My guest today is Adrian Herbert. Adrian is a leading wellness professional, international TEDx speaker, podcast host and author. She is the epitome of the modern digital entrepreneur and also director of innovation at the UK's leading fitness app, Fit. Adrian grew up as an older sibling in a single parent household and describes it was just natural instinct for her to be proactive and a go-getter. In 2017, she started Power Hour and is now best known for her weekly podcast that has over 2 million downloads. And last year, she released her first book by the same title, helping her readers realise the importance of focusing what you want during that first essential hour of the day and unlocking your full potential. 
Adrian is also a mum to her 10-year-old son Jude and a mentor for young people via the Outrunners Youth Charity Programme. If that wasn't enough, she's also an endurance runner and is on a mission to help others reach their goal and achieve success. Having achieved so much in her life so far and being such a driving force of inspiration that has helped millions of people, I can't wait to chat to Adrian all about the moments that have shaped her life so far. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Adrian. Thank you so much. What a wonderful and generous introduction. Thank you. Well, you've done everything. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just telling our audience what you've done. Um, it's so brilliant to have you today. And I'm slightly blown away with all that you have achieved. And it's so inspirational. And what I wanted to really do was start right at the beginning and really kind of understand what were you like as a, as a young girl? What were your aspirations? What were your dreams? Wow. Gosh. Yeah. If I think back to when I was young, I'd say, well, you mentioned, you know, growing up in a single parent household, a low income household. So my mum was working five days a week and yeah, didn't earn a lot of money at all. And there was four of us until my older sibling moved out. And then there was three of us for most of my childhood. Uh, my father was I'd say absent most of the time, yeah. sometimes, but in a very destructive way. So much better when he wasn't there. And mm-hmm. I'd say we all all myself and my siblings were all extroverts. We're all, you know, we've got a lot of energy. We all did, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we were just, I don't know, we were always busy. We we, we watched a lot of TV, actually. We watched a lot of TV. (laughs) We were singing, we were dancing. We were, you know, I remember watching videos like uh, Destiny's Child music videos and Michael Jackson music videos. And I would, I'd watch them again and again and again, you know, I'd record it on a VHS and that's how old I am. (laughs) And I'd, I'd know, yeah, and I'd like learn the routines and I'd, I'd just, yeah, find things to do, I suppose. I was always, I got on pretty well in school. I, I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. super academic, but I'm very social. I was confident yeah. and I'm born in September. So I think actually, even statistically, if you're born in September, being one of the oldest. Exactly. You're the oldest in the year. Yeah. And that can give you a real confidence. I think I, not at the time, but now as a mother of, of a child who's a summer baby, I just sometimes wonder, I'm like, wow, actually being the oldest might have given you a bit of a, you know, head start because yeah. you, know, you win at sports day, you're the fastest, or, you know, there were things that I understood like concepts. I think maybe even in primary school, I was good at maths. I've got quite a, a problem solving brain. Mm-hmm. Cause you can nearly be like a year older than some people. Yeah, exactly. So I think that probably gave me a bit of confidence boost. And then I think throughout secondary school, to be honest, secondary school was, I mean, secondary school for most people is just awful, isn't it? If you think back to being a girl. So true. Oh my gosh, being a girl, being a a woman of colour, mixed race girl in a school of predominantly white people. Mm being like an ugly duckling with a monobrow and scabby knees and just looking like, you know, there was no, there was no boyfriends. There was no kissing. There was none of that. Um, so I don't know, really, I think I got on fine. You know, I had a group of friends. I didn't come out with exceptionally good grades, but I didn't, you know, I kind of just got, I feel like I was lucky in the sense that I probably did the the bare minimum I was very social I did you know I talked a lot probably too much uh was part of you know netball club and athletics and things like that but ultimately I could just yeah get by do my homework in the last 10 minutes you know before school and it would still I'd still be okay you know whereas I think I had friends who worked really 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 hard and they were really super conscientious and they'd study and they'd do whatever and they'd probably got lesser grades than me you know I could kind of just yeah wing it a little bit yeah which I think is a blessing and a curse because I think for anyone who knows they can wing it you you can become a bit complacent and do less prep because you're like oh, I'll be all right I can just you know just exactly yeah 
Yeah, so a bit mixed bag, really. But I think the thread through everything really was, you know, I've always been active. So I did Mm -hmm. athletics, I did dance, I did, uh, as I said, you know, sports clubs at school. And even though my mum, I mean, she, I don't even know how she managed to, she couldn't afford for us to do the things like, you know, the school trips or to have, you know, the, you know, the new trainers or whatever. But she did um, speak to the dance school where I ended up going. And, you know, I went, first and then my younger sister wanted to go and then my younger sibling Alex who's now oh, a West always End star, follow. yeah yeah who's now a West End star they they, they wanted Amazing. to go as well so ended up three of us and as I said my mom didn't have any money so I do think she kind of struck up a bit of a thing with the dance school teacher and I mean thank god that she was so kind and generous and kind of said yeah okay fine they could all come I think she probably only paid for me but we all got to, we all got to go yeah and yeah so that led me on to you know things from there Amazing. And did you ever kind of like, you know, want to be a pop star or an athlete or were you just kind of someone that just kind of did what you did because you enjoyed doing it and it kind of, as you said, got your energy going? Oh my gosh. I'll be, I want to be honest. I wanted to be everything, everything you said, you know, if I was, if I was at the athletics track, I wanted to be an Olympian. If I was at dance school, I wanted to be in the West End. If I was watching Michael Jackson dance, I wanted to be a backing dance. I wanted to do it all. And when Everything. I was even, yeah, even when I was reading books at home, I remember the phases of my life where I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer because <laughs> I can argue and I'm good at negotiation. And then I think a year later, I'd be like, I want to be a doctor. And then, you know, every year it was something else. Yeah. I never had that one thing. I've got friends who, you know, from the age of five, they were like, yeah. I want to be a writer. Every single year, I wanted to be something else. And actually, in hindsight, thinking about it now, I have such a multi-hyphen career and I do so many things. So it's kind of, yeah, I guess it was worked out pretty well in that sense because I always wanted to do different things. And now I do lots of things. It definitely has. And it means that, you know, at a young age, you're trying so many things and it's, it makes you kind of more multifaceted and you can kind of have those transferable skills. And as you say, you've probably been able to use all of them now in everything that you do. Um, so I spoke a lot about your, you're such a motivational speaker and you do so much kind of, you know, through your own brand and through kind of TEDx talks and stuff. I wanted to ask, are you the person in your friendship group that everyone always relies on to kind of pick them up? Like you always seen as someone that's like, Adrian will like get me there today. Like, is, and is that hard for you? Is that kind of that the way it works with your friends? Yeah, you know what? It's an interesting question. I'll be interested to hear what my friends would say. <laughs> I th- I think so. I, I hope so. You know, I, I, I tend to... I try to be as honest and as authentic and as real, you know, as I can be in all different settings. And of course you have to change maybe the delivery of what you do, whether that's for, as you said, you know, a corporate keynote speech or whether it's for a podcast or whether it's just talking to friends. But Mm -hmm. I think innately that's who I am. I'm an encourager. I will, I'm a problem solver, as I said. So I'll say to someone, well, you know, well, have you thought about doing this way or could you do it that way? Or come on, let's think about option B, C, D, let's figure it out. You should go for it. So I definitely do that. Yeah. I think in terms of who does that for me, you know, I'm lucky I have a wonderful group of of female friends who are all quite entrepreneurial and who, if I'm not feeling, you know, super high energy, if I'm not, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, if I'm feeling, I I don't know, just like life, you know, things, a lot of things going on, I can be honest with them about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to fake it and, you know, have a smile on my face all the time. I can kind of say to them, oh my gosh, girls, I have got to do this and this and this and this and, you know, parenting or whatever the challenge might be at that moment, Mm -hmm. they'll listen and they'll go, oh, wow. And they'll just, they'll just listen, you know, we'll do that for each other and go, oh, that sounds really shit. But you don't have to fake it. You don't have to, you know, it's important to have those women you can just be really honest with. 
Totally. And I think a lot of probably people think, you know, from the outside looking in that you're superhuman and everything's always amazing. And it is really, as you said, important to be honest about, you know, not you can be the most encouraging person, but everyone's going to have bad days. And how, you know, you just said that you speak to your friends. Like, how do you cope when you wake up one day and you just feel like crap? Well, I just said it's important to be honest, right? And even yeah. when you asked me earlier about growing up, you know, obviously I was highlighting some of the, I guess, some of the good parts about it, but it was incredibly challenging. And one of the really challenging parts about it, I suppose, growing up and and why I left home so young um, was because of the dynamic within the house, you know, the relationship with my mother. Um, it was just a difficult place to live, really. And I think she's quite a, she's, she's quite a complex person. She's quite a negative person. I think I definitely, when people think, see me or meet me and they say, oh, you're so optimistic, you're so positive. And as you just said, it's like, oh, this perfect life when actually, of course, nobody has a perfect life at all. But I think for me, I'm, it's so ingrained in me to have an optimistic outlook, no matter what is going on. I'm not talking about, you know, toxic positivity. Oh, look on the bright side. Exactly. I think when you've grown up in an environment or with a person who, everything the glass is always half empty Mm -hmm. everything is worse for them everything is bad you know anger frustration you know all of those things when you're surrounded by it the way I describe it sometimes is like being in a room full of smoke you Mm -hmm. can't breathe and so getting out of that room and taking a deep breath of fresh air that's to me that's how I want to live my life so as the person who yes I'm an encourager of course, like you said, I don't wake up every day. I'm like, yes, everything's great. But I have this innate feeling of so much gratitude, so much abundance. Yeah. You know, I'm not a millionaire, but I feel like I am because I'm like, you have food in the fridge. You have a garden. You know, I didn't grow yeah. up with a garden. I'm like, I've got a beautiful garden. I can sit in the garden with my coffee. I get to do work that I enjoy. I've got, you know, a healthy son. I get to take him to school and see his beautiful face, even if there's difficult things going on, even if there's I don't know, a disappointment or a rejection or something, I try to just acknowledge it. You know, you might wake up with low mood, you might feel tired, you might feel hormonal, whatever it is. But very quickly, I just think, okay, give yourself that five or 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but look around, literally open your eyes and look around, get perspective and look at where you are in your life. You know, look at what you get to do today. And it really, really helps. It can be the smallest thing. Like I said, like having a croissant and thinking, how does it get any better than this? Come on. Exactly. Totally. I love like getting your favorite drink or, but I loved what you said before as well. I think, I think what I think is really important is, is that it sometimes is just about knowing that there are options. And yes, the the immediate thing might be this is really bad. But actually, as you said, you will speak to your friends and say, what's A, B, C, D and E? And it's being able to look. Some people can't look past that A hasn't happened. So how do we look at the rest? And I love that. I mean, you've already kind of motivated me in that two minute uh, little segment. Um, so you do so many different things. What is the favorite part of your job, would you say? Oh, the variety, the variety. Yeah. I love the, and also the freedom and the agency. I think that's, again, going back to, you know, growing up and, and seeing how much my mum had to struggle, you know, not having choice and freedom and agency, maybe that's because you don't have money, whether that's yeah. because you don't have support or, or access to opportunities the freedom and the agency that my work and career now gives me is so amazing. You know, I get to drop my son off at school and I can work on my own hours. I get to work remotely. So obviously now things are, you know, we can travel again. You know, I can work from pretty much anywhere. I get to meet 
interesting, wonderful people and ask them yeah. questions and, you know, sit opposite from them and, and learn from all these incredible people. So the variety is key for me, but also the agency and knowing that in some way, I know some like kind of, I think more enlightened, mindful gurus would say, we're never in control of anything. But yeah. I do like to feel as though I'm steering the ship. I feel like I'm in the driving seat of my life and career. And, yeah. and that's important to me. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, a simple question, but if I was to say kind of like, why do you do what you do? Mm. And you could like answer that simply, what, why do you do everything that you do? And you've touched on it really, but, you know, in terms of your brand and what you really want to achieve, what is that? There's two parts to it. I think on a personal level, why I do what I do is because I can. And it's that mm -hmm. thing, isn't it, of thinking, wow, like if you could do anything with your time, with your life, with your energy, with your focus, why not pour it into something, you know, that you love? So the fact yeah. that I can, but I think on, on a more, I guess, purpose-led and, you know, why I do, you know, why I want to write the books I want to write or why I want to deliver the talks I want to deliver is because, I really do think if I can achieve the things that I've achieved in my life, anyone can achieve whatever they want to do. And it's not about, you know, everybody doesn't necessarily want to be an Olympic athlete or yeah. start a, you know, a company and be the CEO. Not everybody wants the same things, but I truly believe that everybody has something, something that they want to do, something they want to achieve, something they want to build. It could be a family. It could be anything. And so many people, unfortunately, because of the world, maybe because of circumstance, maybe because of a shit teacher or they don't think it's possible for them. So really mm -hmm. the purpose behind everything I do, whether it's, you know, speaking to you today, whether it's mentoring young people, whatever I'm doing, I am on a mission. I want people to understand it is possible for you. You get to define what's possible for yourself and for your life. Nobody can limit that. Nobody can mm -hmm. tell you it's not realistic or you're not smart enough or you're not pretty enough or you're not tall enough. You can put in the work, find an ulterior route. If you've got the will, it's such a, no one can, no one can really quantify will. Yeah. You know, we mm -hmm. can measure all these other things, right? You know, education, finance, we cannot measure will. It's, you cannot limit it. You cannot measure it. So I really just hope that through, I guess, living in the way that I do, sharing my ideas, sharing my passion, I just hope it will help others to, to do the same. Oh my God. Well, you definitely are now. And I wanted to ask you, looking in the future, if we were to sit down this time in 20 years, what do you want to have kind of like, what impact do you want what you're doing to have had? Like, what does success, I mean, you've mentioned it now, but you know, as I said, 20 years down the line, mm. probably both in our fifties, which is mm. not nice to think about. <laughs> what, what, where, what would you want it to have achieved? I'd love to have achieved raising my son, you yeah. know, raising my son and giving him a, a well-rounded life and for him to be happy and be able to be, be whoever he wants to be. I'd love to have, yeah, felt like I've impacted women and, and women of color and, mm -hmm. and been an example. And often people say, you know, you have to see it to believe it. And so when people see me on a stage delivering a keynote to 5,000 people or running a marathon or whatever it is, I think, you know, with a lot of the young people that I work with, they are young girls of color and, you know, they might not have seen people who look like them doing what they're doing mm -hmm. with confidence, with their uh, Afro hair out, just being 
exactly who they are. So I'd love to do that. Well, we'll we'll catch up in 20 years and hopefully that's where you'll be. Um, so before we go on to talking about your moments, and I'm really interested to hear your perception on this with everything that you talk about, I'd love to know kind of your thoughts on the kind of sliding doors concept. So, you know, do you believe in everything happens for a reason? Do you believe it's about timing, fate, coincidence? Um, what What do you really believe in? Wow. <laughs> Big question. It is a huge question. And there's lots of different answers. There doesn't have to just be one. Yeah, gosh. Well, I believe that we have more choice and agency than we think. Mm-hmm. I definitely believe that these opportunities and there's moments and there's things, there's circumstances, there's things that you cannot uh, choose. And those things, very small things, you know, what school did you go to? Like I said, what teacher did you have? You know, yeah. were you the older sibling or were you the younger sibling? Did all you, makes a difference. All those things. Yeah. Literally will. Plus the, plus the nature element of your, your DNA, your genes, there's all these mm-hmm. things, but I do think we have agency and choice, but I think that the things that happen to us or, you know, the circumstances we're in, you know, whether we got the job or whether we met that right guy or whatever those things are, I think it's obviously it's unknown as to what the alternative would have been, but I don't ever believe that there was one path, one person, one moment. You know, people say like, this is, this is it. They'll say, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm always like, no, it's not. There'll be another one tomorrow. There'll be another one next year. You could be offered the opportunity of a lifetime and think it's never going to happen again. And trust me, there's another 200 of them around the corner Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if that answers the question but no it does because it's it's like we've got choice and I think you know some people do believe in the one thing and the one person and all of that stuff and but ultimately you know if you said no to something something else will come and I think it's just knowing that we've got different paths in our lives and we should just follow the one that we want to go on. So no, it was a very good answer. And it nicely leads us on to your first sign doors moment, um, which I tried not to delve too much into at the beginning because I really want to find out. So it was your decision to move to London at age 16 to pursue a better life. So explain kind of why this was a sign doors moment for you. So you'd obviously, I'm guessing, left school. What did you go to London to do and how did this change your life? Well, yeah, I suppose the options on the table at the time. So when you say about the sliding doors moments, the options on the table were stay at school and maybe do A-levels. I don't know what I would have done in A-levels, but maybe, you know, pick three A-levels, pick anything, to be honest, random and stay at school for two years. Or I could have really got serious about athletics. You know, I said I was doing athletics. I was competing at county level and I could have got really serious with my coach and said, right, I want to pursue this. I don't think I was talented enough to do it, but I, I was... I was pretty good, you know, but yeah. I wasn't like, okay, you go into the Olympics, but I could have yeah. pursued that. Um, and that would have meant, so the school option would have meant staying, living at home. The athletics option would have meant staying, living at home, but the kind of wild card, I suppose, to get me to be able to move to London was dance. Because as okay. I said, I was, I did dance. I was always good at dance. And that was, so bearing in mind with athletics, I was, I was, I was pretty good, but I wasn't the best. Whereas dance, I was you know, I had it. I could just, like yeah, I said, I could yeah. see it, I could do it. And that was it. It was like, people were like, wow, you've got to be on the stage, you know? So I figured out quite quickly that if I moved to, if I went to a professional dance training school, which I did in the end, then you get to move, you get to leave, you get to move to London, you get to live in, you know, accommodation or digs or whatever, whilst you train for three years in a professional vocational dance school where you'll be dancing wow. and singing all day. Yeah. So I looked around and was like, like I said, it was difficult living in my house. I didn't like it. It was noisy, shouting, door slamming. And I just used to just be like, I don't want to be in this house. So honestly, it sounds really like quite awful to, to admit that really, you know, I would hope that my mother would never hear this, but I just thought, 
wow, I can move to London. I can just be by myself. I can get away from this yeah. and I can, you know, just have my own space. And I guess just, yeah, be away from that kind of what felt very toxic. So that's what I did. I set out and it's funny because I talk about this in the book. Um, you know, sometimes we carry a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, which maybe I need to let go of. But I remember a teacher at school when I said, oh, I'm going to London, I'm going to audition for this drama school and then I'm going to be in the West End. And and this teacher, who was, I think, that my head of year at the time, yeah. said, oh, it's ridiculous. Don't get your hopes up, you know. And I remember thinking, you have no idea like what is possible for me you have no idea you've never you've never seen me dance you've never heard me sing and also you're a teacher like you're supposed to be encouraging encouraging people to go for their dreams not saying to them it wasn't even like a oh like a sensitive kind of oh don't get your hopes up in case you know because people want to like preserve your feelings it was literally like an eye roll of like you're going to look ridiculous so it's so I'm gonna prove you wrong (laughs) literally and did I so I went to audition yeah I went to audition for a college called Dorian Bird and you had to either be funded or you had to get a scholarship and they didn't give out many scholarships and I knew that my mom wouldn't be able to afford for me to go so I literally went to that audition like my life depended on it um and then yeah they offered me a scholarship on the day which apparently you know you normally have to wait for a letter and it's very very like the fame school you know yeah Um, but yeah they offered me a scholarship on the day uh three months later I literally got a mega bus you know the mega bus it's like a pound (laughs) I got the mega bus for about a pound from Leeds to London sat on all your stuff literal nothing I'm literally like a suitcase, a like, yeah. literal suitcase and a Christina Aguilera poster rolled up lol yeah um and I got yeah the mega bus to London Victoria I got wow. to Victoria station and literally at 16 and went okay I need to get to this place where is it looked on like the tube and so I don't think it's on the tube because it was outside of it's like zone I don't know Kent obviously it's not in London yeah. so I had to figure that out I think the train I looked I think I went to the train ticket office and they looked at me like I was mental and there's so no was, like there was no like maps in those days. you couldn't just like put it in your city mapper and be like this is where I need to go no and I didn't even have honestly now the world I think back to this it's so mad this was when yeah I guess this was like fifth how many years ago 18 a long time ago I didn't even knowing it's not even like I could call someone I could yeah. even it was mad actually but yeah I made my way to this digs and I remember putting up the poster and sitting in the room and it was a pretty crappy room but I was so happy because I was like I've moved to London Freedom. I've, I've yeah. done it I've done it I've moved to London anything could have happened from there and I would have seen it as a win because yeah. I did it I moved to London that was it amazing and then so then what kind of happened after you went to dance school then? Like how, because I guess like going to dance school is the moment, but then how did being there at that time, at that age, change your life? Well, it changed my life in a lot of ways because I think before that I'd had to be pretty capable, you know, at home I had to cook and clean and look after my younger siblings. But this was a whole new level because it was like, well, I need to pay rent and I need to go to college every day, all day. So the only way to do that is to work evenings and weekends. Mm -hmm. So I was dancing and training all day, which is exhausting for anyone who's ever been to, you know, a full-time vocational dance musical theatre training. It's it's exhausting. You're dancing from eight in the morning till five or six. And then I used to walk to a restaurant, an Italian restaurant and be a waitress. And then I used to walk home after the restaurant closed at one o'clock in the morning. And then at weekends, I used to work in a clothes shop um, oh in Blue gosh. Water. I used to work yeah. in All Saints in Blue Water. Nice. And then and then I moved to All Saints uh, in London. I used to get on the train and go to Victoria and I worked in All Saints on Sloan Street. And yes, yeah, so I think it taught me that you've got to manage money because you've got to pay rent, you've got to buy food, you've got to buy toilet roll, you've got to do these things. And you're, yeah, like I said, 17. And it also taught me that 
there are so many people in the world. Mm-hmm. They're all different. You know, I'd left Leeds where I felt like yes, it felt such a small world. And suddenly I was in London and, you know, you go to Sloan Square or whatever and you see wealth and you see opportunities, mm-hmm. you see different kinds of people. And then you go to, you know, even within my college, there's people there from all over the country and different ages, different body types, different colors, different, just, it was, it was the first time I was like, the world is full of different people. Yeah, You can literally be anything, be anyone, do anything. And you just turn up and introduce yourself. And I thought yeah. that was really fascinating. As a young age, I was like, wow, there's so many people. Definitely. Because a lot of people, as you say, stay in school, do their A-levels, go to university, and you're still really in this kind of like cocoon of people. Um, and I also love what you said, because I think that, you know, you just had to look after yourself. And it sounds like you didn't do that for like the first 16 like years of your life. And it was just like, you could just focus on you, what you wanted to do and what you needed to achieve. And with the attitude that you had, you were probably just like, boom, go and get it. Yeah. You know what? I hadn't really thought of it like that, but you're right. Yeah. I wasn't really, cause my younger siblings are a lot younger. So yeah, I think I did take on a lot of, um, a, you know, a kind of role in, in the house, which I guess I didn't have anymore. Yeah. I could just, yeah, do things by myself. I felt, I did feel quite a lot of guilt about that actually. And, and me and my younger sibling, my youngest sibling, Alex, we've talked about that before because, I did feel like this element of of guilt, of like abandonment, of them being yeah. like, don't leave, don't leave us. Um, and then I think there was a bit of hope that I was going to come back. Like I think one of my friend's mums, I remember her saying, oh, she's going to London by herself at 16 or she'll definitely be back. She'll, she'll come back in three months because it's like this big world, big, scary, wide world. Um, so maybe I think my youngest sibling, Alex, was probably a little bit hopeful that I would come back. And sadly, I never did. But then everybody seems to have migrated south. So like yeah. I said, they're, they're now actually a West End superstar um, themselves so yeah we all ended up in London but it but it is hard I think a lot of the time especially when you're younger but even when you're older you make decisions and you want to make them for yourself but you do want to think about your family and you do want to think about as you say but then it you know it's your life and if you hadn't have done that you never would have done the other things that you did and I guess I want to ask how different do you think your life would have been if you hadn't have left home at 16 and stayed in Leeds and maybe done you know as you said athletics or gone into more education do you ever really think about like how different things would have been? I don't know how different they would have been I mean it would have been incredibly different but one thing I'd say is that me and all of my siblings we do have this innate drive to achieve to to work I think because of as I say growing up without you I think there's a real value in growing up with scarcity makes you you've just got a different kind of fire in your belly so I think that whatever I did whether it had been athletics whether it had been school whether it had been going in the army I think at one point like I said I always wanted to do something different at one point I was like I'll go in the army like whatever I'd have chosen to do I don't think I would have just coasted along yeah done the bare minute whatever I was going to do I was going to do it 200% you know if if it's someone said that to me um I think it was actually as a bit of a criticism, but she kind of said, oh, you know, with everything you do, you always have to do it to the extreme. You know, you couldn't just be a personal trainer. That's not enough. Then you've got to be an Adidas ambassador. And (laughs) you couldn't just be a, I don't know, you've got to do everything to the max. And I was like, yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're happy with it, then that's a brilliant way to be. And listen, I think it's it's a great kind of story and it is a great moment to reflect on because I think that, as you say, it's a brave thing to do, but like it, it was definitely the start of everything else that happened to you. And it takes us nicely onto your second moment, which is becoming a mother at the age of 22. So this is a big life moment for anyone. And you've got your lovely son, Jude, who's 10. Um, 
I want to start to ask, like, explain how this happened. Did you plan to become a mum at 22? Um, did you always want a family? What stage of life were you at? Explain kind of how this was such a big sliding doors moment for you. Sure. So yes, it's, if I think back to, I think because I'd done a lot of, by the time I was 16 and then 17, 18, I felt a lot older than I was. Yeah. So even though when people hear 22, they think, gosh, that's young. I felt like I was grown, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, I'd met uh, a wonderful man. I wanted to, we got married. We were so happy. And I was at the time performing on stage in the West End as a dancer. And I just wanted to start a family. I always knew that I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to start a family. And given, like I said, how I grew up, I, I feel like I wanted to create my own family home life that was the the opposite of that. I wanted to yeah. have, you know, I had this vision in my mind that I was going to have three children, you know, cooking the dinner, sitting around the dinner table, you know, brushing their hair before they went to bed. That was, you know, dropping them off at swimming and football, the soccer mom life. That was literally what that was the dream. Yeah. So yeah. So when we got married, I mean, walking down the aisle, I was already thinking about getting pregnant <laughs> literally. And it did. I and mean, I did. So a couple of, couple of months later, yeah. thank God I was pregnant. But, you know, as much as I, again, painting this happy picture, life is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. And sadly, just literally three months after I got pregnant, my, my, now ex-husband, but my husband at the time, uh, became very, very suddenly ill, literally mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. He had a spontaneous brain hemorrhage, wow. which led him to have seizures and to become epileptic. And then from that point on, so I was pregnant then, and then Jude was born, which was fantastic. But from that point on, it, it had a whole host of different um, uh, impact on our, on our life and on my career. I, I left the show. I, I then was, yeah, off um, for, for quite a while, but also it impacted our future facility. So having more children. So this mm-hmm. dream of, you know, having three kids and being the stay at home soccer mom didn't materialize. And actually yeah. I again had to go, okay, so I'm, I was 22, had my wonderful, wonderful son. My husband had just, like I said, survived, literally just survived a brain hemorrhage and yeah. wasn't working. And I had to, again, reassess my life and go, what am I going to do then? You know, again, what's option B, C and D? Like, where am I going to work? How am I going to do this? What's what what comes next? So, yeah, it's complex. No one's life is simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's yeah, it was definitely the plan to, to have yeah. Jude and to, to start a family young. But what came next this wasn't, you know, he's still an only child. We tried for years after that to have another child. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, that resulted in. Uh, you know, fertility treatment, miscarriages, you know, all of that. But I have Jude and, you know, you know, recently, well, say recently, gosh, time flies. It's actually two years now since um, I divorced from, from his dad, but, you know, we have one, he's a, a wonderful, wonderful dad and we co-parent Jude together. And yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a change, as you said, becoming a mother or becoming a parent changes your life in, in, a, in a way that it is forever changed. Yeah. And I love this because I I love connecting all the dots, these things. And actually, when you think about it, you just even moving, you know, to London when you were 16 and actually getting that life experience to feel ready at the age of 22 to have a kid. You know, if you'd have gone a little bit later or ever, like you may not have been able to have one because of what happened. Like it's all about timing. And actually that all is part of your path. Um, And yeah, I think, you know, 22 isn't isn't young, but it's perceived as being young. And I wanted to ask you, you know, because you're obviously like in your 30s now, do people ever kind of comment like, oh my gosh, like, how do you have a 10 year old? And like, do you do you ever find and did you find at the time ever kind of having negative experiences from other people thinking that you were like too young to have a child or like even now? Oh, absolutely. It's so funny that literally the world has changed so much. And, you know, when our 
parents had us having children in your 20s was normal you know oh biologically gosh, yeah 100% yeah and biologically it's normal right it's why you start your periods when you're a teenager so having yeah. a child at 22 is not shocking and globally it's prime it's, age actually <laughs> exactly yeah. but the world has changed so much and so when I was pregnant with with Jude and when I was yeah when I was pushing the pram literally you know, I definitely felt that people would yeah they assumed that it was it must have been an accident and some people yeah. even said that some people generally were like oh wait you planned that I was like, wow, that's rude. Other people would assume, <laughs> other people would assume that I was nanny or I was looking after him as, you know, really? yeah, I was, I was childcare. And then now when I meet people, sometimes, yeah, they'll be like, what? You have a 10 year old son? Or like when we're together, it's funny. I mean, I don't think I look that young, but recently we were out and someone um, said, oh, can you, something to, to Jude and then to me. And they said, oh, what, what about your brother? What about your brother? And like, <laughs> he's my little brother. I was like, my son. <laughs> so yeah, it is this weird thing of perception in the world that, you know, we, I don't know, we have to have children when we're older, but then in the reverse of that, you know, as women, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Cause I've now got friends who are so I'm 34. I've now got friends who are a little older than me, 38, 39. They haven't had kids yet. It's like, oh, you've got to hurry up and have kids. You should have had kids when you were younger. Oh, you're going to be too old. Oh, and it's this constant thing of like, yeah. there's no perfect time. And actually, if I could give advice to anyone, which, you know, I wouldn't give advice to people about when to start a family, but there's no perfect time. And if yeah. you are lucky enough and blessed enough and you want to have a family, and you can, then you'll navigate it in whichever way works for you. And now, honestly, I cannot tell you, imagine having a 10 year old, like when I'm 41, he's going to be 18, yeah. you know, like it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's and, so brilliant. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. And I know you always speak about, there's no perfect time and age should never be a barrier, whether you're young or old for things like this. And I guess, you know, for you, I think it's, it's so much part of your journey because actually if, you know, if you think like, what happens if I hadn't have decided to have a child at that age? Like, as you say, like, you may not have children now, you may not be where you are. And I think, are you kind of, are you, obviously you are happy that you've got your beautiful son, but do you think that, do you really believe that kind of all of that was probably meant to be the way it happened? Yeah, actually reflecting on that, I really do. Because as I said, Rob got ill when I was already pregnant with Jude and thank mm -hmm. God, you know, I was already pregnant because as you said, after that, we had so much, so, so, so difficult with the fertility stuff and the miscarriage stuff. It's just so difficult for anyone who's been through that. It's, it just takes over your whole life. It's really, for me, it certainly did. So I think there was definitely a timing piece there. I think that, you know, it's so hard, as, as we said before, to kind of look back and think of alternatives and what if this and what if that, but ultimately it has defined a lot of who I am you know a lot yeah. of the things that I do and even just I think even just the way I live my life the perspective that I have the things I'm able to speak about and understand and oh yeah you know it's just it, you can't really imagine an alternative I can't really imagine my life of course without my son mm -hmm. and yeah it's really fascinating because again for women I don't want to exclude men but for women I feel like there's so much of our identity that when we become a mother we almost uh, again society wants us to choose between yeah. you know, do you want to have a career do you want to be just a mum, which is terrible do you want to you know what kind of and you you almost have these all these complex like different versions of you um and so I think even understanding that and and again saying to people there's no perfect way but you can do it your own way yeah massively and I think what's a lovely message is that I think 
don't feel scared if you are 21 and you want to have a baby like don't let like and if you're 42 and you want to have a baby don't let society push you because actually everyone is different everyone wants kind of different things at different times and you've just got to kind of be assertive with what you want um I love that moment um and on to your final moment so um it's being offered a dream job and turning it down and going all in on my brand and career at the age of 30 so I love this um so obviously I want to know what the dream job was um and kind of explain kind of how you offered it and why did you decide to turn it down well, I should probably caveat this by saying it was like the perception of a dream job, you know. Course, so yes, if I yeah. had to write on paper what I wanted, maybe growing in my in, in yeah. I don't know the five years before, you would have felt like if someone had written that piece down on a piece of paper and showed that to me five years before, I would have said that is my dream job. I'll do anything for that. I can't really say exactly what the brand you know what yeah. the brand was but it was a incredible opportunity to essentially move to the other side of the world and to you know do work that I'm passionate about and to be paid very well to do it. And so it was kind of like what ticks all the boxes, you know, like live on the other side of the world, never done that. What a great experience. Get paid well, do work yeah. that you enjoy. And yeah, I mean, it, it seemed on paper like the dream job. So of course it's like, well, why didn't you take it then? And so the reason I didn't take it was because of course in life with every decision that you make, there will always be a trade-off. There'll always be yeah. a, there'll always be a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a compromise there'll always yeah. be a compromise so 100%. so if I weighed up all the pros the cons would be that over the the eight years before I would I was building my own brand so I was building uh through the podcast or through social media or through working with brands or website or writing or whatever it was you know like we all are building up building something and I would have had to really set that aside you know to give 100% of my time and energy and focus to this job I would have had to set mm-hmm. most 90% of that aside so that was hard because I thought oh hang on a minute I've really put you know you, it might not have been about the money but I've put time and effort and energy into these things I can't just let yeah. that go and then secondly moving to the other side of the world at that time would have meant relocating my husband and son Mm-hmm. So it meant all three of us going. And I think that moment for me, you know, we weren't divorced then, but I think what it did for me, gosh, and honestly, oh God, I feel even like speaking about this and sharing it, I feel quite, because obviously it's it's quite private and personal and, and they're private, private person. So I don't want to overshare yeah. there. I want to respect that. But I feel like from a personal level, it made me go assess things in a different way. It made me not just look at the career, not just look at the money, not just look at the job, but look at my entire life Life. and go, okay, yeah, and go, okay, what would this mean for my son? What would this mean for my husband? What would this mean for for me? And I think it was a bit of a light bulb moment that went, you know what, you've worked so hard to, to get to this point. If you just keep going you know, it will pay off. And I didn't know what that was. That was just before I got the book deals, before some, you know, some other things that I've done recently. And again, it was one of those things where I really believed, I was like, if you go all in on yourself, and that means, you know, like I said, this job was a, you know, a, a fully a salary, you've got to do it every day. Yeah. It wasn't like what I do now where I can do multiple different things. It was like, no, you're all in. I would have, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a real kind of, again, you have to back yourself. You have to have confidence that, what you want to achieve is possible because someone could have said, well, you know, the whole thing around job security and the illusion. Yeah. Oh, like if you speak to parents, it's like, yeah, you know, it's a secure job and you'll get there. But do you feel like it was ultimately just this gut feeling that you had that that was what you were meant to do? Yeah, I do. I feel like this is how I describe it. Because when people say gut feeling, it's like, well, how do you know? The way I describe it is that 
if someone had to make the decision for me and someone said, mm-hmm. right, we're going to flip a court, you know, cause I spent weeks going backwards and forwards. Should yeah. I go? Should I not? Should I take it? Should I not? You know, I got, I got counsel from a, some friends who said, oh, you know, that's amazing. You should do it. Others that said, oh, yeah, it was just really, really hard because it was so split down the line. So what I decided, I thought in the end, if someone else had to make this decision for you, if someone flipped a coin and said, right, you're going. Yeah. How would you feel? Would you just feel so excited and like, oh my gosh, I'm going. And I thought, no, actually I would feel dread. And if someone flipped the coin and said, right, the opportunity's gone, you're not going. I thought, how would I feel? And I thought, I I didn't think I'd feel like, oh no, so disappointed. I'm not doing it. I thought I'd feel relieved. Yeah. It's such a good advice, I think, for anyone. And was there a moment when you, you know, had said no to the job and you were doing your own thing where you just were like, I like the moment where you're like, I definitely, like, I know you knew you'd made the right decision, but was there kind of this, like, one moment where you're like, this is why I said no to this job? And do you remember when that was? Honestly, it's every day. It's <laughs> every day. That. It's every week. It's every yeah. day. And I don't mean because of work. I mean, because of my life, my life. Yeah. Like I said, it's like the people that I'm with, the, the, the environment. I just, I feel so, I feel more me. I said this on my birthday. I feel more me than ever before. I feel like I can be more of myself. I don't feel like I have to dilute it or squash it down or try and tweak it for this person or that brand, or I just can be me. And it just feels like, the alternative, again, it reminds me of that feeling I said before of not being able to breathe, you know, yeah. feeling like, oh, like you've got like, you know, it sounds, you know, we all had to sit with masks on. If you, I don't know if anyone traveled during the pandemic on a flight, but you have to keep the mask on for the whole time. How yeah. it feels when you get off and take it off. That's how it felt. It felt like, and again, if people are listening and it's, it's an absolute blessing and privilege to be in a position where you're like, wow, you've been offered this great job. And then it, you can feel like, well, who am I to turn that down? You know, I can't possibly, you know, you could also, depending on who the, the job offer comes from or opportunity, people can often make you feel like you are so lucky. You know, we've yeah. chosen you. You are so lucky to have this opportunity. Like this is going to change your life. It's almost like they position it to you that you're the chosen lucky one. And if you say no, like everything's going to go wrong from here. Yeah. Or just, yeah. or just that it's like this golden ticket. Like you've won yeah. the lottery. Like, of course you should be jumping up and down to take it. But if there's a feeling, whatever that feeling is innately that says, ah, oh, I just, I don't want this or I don't want to be that person or I don't want to, maybe even you thought you did. Sometimes it's people go, they work for something for so long, they think they want it. And then it's like this anticlimactic feeling inside. You've got to listen to that feeling. You've got to listen to that and go, you know what? You don't, even if you don't know what the alternative is, you've got to listen to that feeling. Do not ignore it. You really do. And I love hearing that you say like, you know, you love the version of who you are and like, I very much, you know, feel like that about my life and when you get to that point and you find something it's like gold dust it's like the key to everything and I guess I don't I mean I also think it comes along with like you know being in your early 30s I think you are a lot more confident in making those decisions as well um I don't want to ask you this question but I'm going to do you ever think about how different things would have been if you'd have taken the job I've thought about it a couple of times and obviously no one can predict what was going to happen with the world and the pandemic, but oh my goodness, had I taken that job, I really think the next couple of years of my life would have been so difficult because I would have been on the other side of the world, away from my friends and family. The whole world went into lockdown, as we know. So borders were closed. There was no flights and I would have been stuck. I would have been stuck. I would have been quarantining in another country during a global pandemic. And no one obviously can ever predict that's going to happen. But I often think now, I think, thank God that I didn't take that job. Thank God that I was here, you know? What a great decision and moment. And 
Before I let you go, I want to ask, so knowing kind of the brand that you're building in the past three years that you've had, three to four years, what's kind of next? Like, where do you want to take Power Hour? Like, what's kind of, I guess, like your aspirations? And we spoke about this before. That was more like 20 years. But what's kind of going on in the near future that you're really excited about? Yeah, sure. So... Power Hour, the weekly podcast continues. It's been three years. It continues. I absolutely love that I get to be the host of that show. I love that what it's grown into and, and the conversations I get to have. So that is not going anywhere. Uh, I'm really excited to be working on another project, which is much more career focused. I really want to help people and empower them to yeah, take control of their careers and to say, actually, how can they navigate this new opportunity of hybrid working or of freelance life or even if you're employed full-time how can you adapt and innovate to the current situation so yeah I'm really really passionate about that I I love helping people whether it's setting goals for themselves or their businesses Uh, so yeah I'm looking uh, I guess ahead and looking at like trend forecasting and future innovation as you mentioned that's what I do at the at the fitness technology company that I work for so that's really where my energy and thoughts like if I think about what's going on in my head when I'm out running at the moment that's what I'm thinking about a lot I mean I have no doubt that you're going to achieve a lot in a short space of time and for anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast or read the book uh, power hour is amazing and it's all about kind of taking that hour maybe at the mainly at the beginning of the day but just during the day that's kind of for you and definitely listen and kind of take advice from that and Adrian it's been so brilliant to chat to you honestly thank you for being so open and honest and for sharing your moments with us it's your passion and your motivation is so inspiring so I hope in 20 years time we can sit down and chat all about the brilliant things that you've done so thank you so much thank you for having me it was wonderful I really enjoyed it thanks so much bye bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of sliding doors if you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring I would love it if you could rate review share and subscribe thank you so much Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.